Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey guys, welcome back. Quick shout out to Kenya, the latest country to download the podcast. That makes 25 countries in total, so that's pretty cool. In terms of download numbers, the US is still out in front, only behind Australia, of course. Belgium and the UK have similar numbers, and Canada is not far behind them. So thanks to everyone for the support. Okay, this week I'll be talking about introverts and extroverts, and those of us who are both, which are called ambiverts. Extroversion and introversion refer to where someone gets their energy from, basically. The difference between an extrovert and an introvert is that extroverts, they're kind of energized through socialization and collaboration, whereas introverts receive their energy from, you know, alone time or in social settings with much smaller groups of people. Extroversion and introversion are opposite ends of the spectrum. How you get and put out energy helps determine where you fall in that spectrum. But you can fall anywhere on the spectrum. And there are a lot of myths surrounding the concepts of introverts versus extroverts. One of the main ones is that it's kind of an either-or situation. You're either an extrovert or you're an introvert. End of story. Well, that's, that's rubbish. The other huge myth is that introverts are shy and extroverts are outgoing. But in reality, it, it's, it's a bit more complicated than that. People sometimes assume introverts have social anxiety or dislike being around others, while extroverts are always loud and aggressive and boisterous. Here's a more realistic look at, at the extrovert slash introvert spectrum and why one end isn't any better or worse than the other. The extrovert-introvert spectrum is just one of the big five traits that researchers use to study personality. And those five traits are generally extroversion, openness to experience, conscientiousness, agreeableness, and neuroticism. You can be high or low on any particular trait or fall somewhere in the middle. But your level of a trait, for example, how extroverted you are, it's thought to be stable across different situations and times in your life. So let's firstly focus on the extroversion trait. In our day-to-day lives, we tend to call people high in extroversion extroverts, and those low in extroversion are the opposite, being introverts. People who tend to fall near the extrovert end of things kind of draw their energy from the outside world, the people, the places, and, and the things around them. You're going to probably enjoy working in a group because extroverted people tend to feel more comfortable when working with other people, whether the task is a work project, you know, party planning with friends or some sort of school assignment. You might organize the group, keep it running smoothly or even jump in as the leader. So no matter how you participate, you most likely feel energized to do your best work when that work involves active collaboration with other people. You're always going to be trying something new. You're not afraid of taking a chance on something that you've never done before, even if it's a little bit risky. Maybe you're going to find it easy to change plans or adapt to a new situation. And if so, you probably have more of an extroverted personality. Extroverts also tend to take action rather than ponder. Once you decide to do something, you usually just go for it without worrying too much about what's going to happen. You might not spend a lot of time considering all the potential outcomes, and people might even describe you as being impulsive. On the bright side, some studies suggest that people who are more extroverted are also more innovative. Extroverted people often find it easy to understand and solve problems when they, you know, when they can sort of talk them through you know, and restate them in their own words or, or seek input from other people. So 
what's your go-to approach when faced with a challenge or difficult problem? Say you're dealing with like a homework assignment or some sort of sticky situation with a friend or you know some sort of tough task at work. Do you talk about it to as many people as you can and, and try and get different perspectives? You know, do you, do you sort through your thoughts out loud? If so, you're more likely to be an extrovert. Extroverted people usually have little to no trouble expressing thoughts and feelings and opinions. And these can range from minor preferences such as foods you dislike, maybe deeper emotions or even including romantic feelings. And while some people might think of you as being blunt, the ability to clearly communicate how you feel without hesitating or worrying what others might think can often be a positive trait. Extroverted people recharge best in the company of other people. You might move from one social setting to another. You might like to have people around you most of the time and avoid spending time by yourself wherever possible. If spending time with other people energizes you after a long stressful day, you're likely to be more extroverted. If you're feeling tired or cranky or out of sorts after too much time on your own, that's also a suggestion that you could be more of an extrovert. Now, one good thing is that you're going to find the good in everything. Optimism is one key way extroversion often shows up. Keep in mind that being optimistic doesn't mean you're continuously cheerful and never sad. If something bad happens, it's still going to affect you, and you probably still have days where you feel down and shitty, just like most people. But you may have an easier time finding silver linings in a negative situation. You're also more likely to focus on those things and bounce back more readily when something bad happens instead of feeling drained and overwhelmed. You'll probably find that you make friends easily because extroverted people are generally known to be very social. If you fall on that end of the spectrum, you might have a large circle of friends, enjoy meeting new people, find it easier to have a heart-to-heart conversation with strangers or people you don't know very well. And some studies link higher extroversion with longer life, but it's impossible to know whether being extroverted is really the cause. Having said that, one theory is that extroverts' strong social networks may support better health. Some people might view your expansive social circle as a sign that you aren't that close to anyone in particular, but that isn't necessarily the case. You likely have a few best friends or a few, you know, maybe just a handful of really close friends or people that you feel extra connected to. So what, what does it mean to be an introvert? People on the introverted end of the spectrum sometimes get a bad rap. It's often said that they're shy or socially awkward, they lack strong interpersonal skills, and they don't make good leaders. But these characteristics don't really have anything to do with introversion. It simply means that your energy comes from within instead of from other people and things around you you're probably going to consider things more carefully. When faced with a new opportunity or a big decision, you probably spend a good amount of time thinking it over before you make any plans to go forward. Research generally backs this up as well. There was a study that found that a person's level of extroversion might be associated with the strategies they use to make decisions. And in addition to that, people who were more extroverted actually scored lower in rational decision making. This means that extroverts may use less rational methods to make those decisions, more so than you know, more reflective introverts do. People with a more action-orientated approach may not always understand why you devote so much time to reflection, but this tendency to look before you leap may help you feel confident you're making the right choice for yourself. So you're gonna prefer to avoid conflict. Generally speaking, introverted people are less likely to strike up conversations with people they don't know well, or even with people they do know well. This can relate to a preference for internal dialogue and reflection, but also a dislike of conflict that can also play into it. Research suggests introverts often have a higher sensitivity to negative feedback. Now I can relate to that, not so much anymore, but historically. I would often get more offended by negative feedback these days, I'm far more likely to, in, in maybe just a second or two, just quickly analyze the comment. And very often I can see pretty clearly that the comment is coming from a place of either insecurity or even jealousy. So I'm less likely to take offense and, and be overly sensitive to the comment. And the funny thing is, if I don't have a reaction, the very next thing the person might say will be something else you know, to, to try and get under my skin. And that's, you know, that basically confirms my analysis that the original comment came from a place of insecurity or jealousy. But if you're worried someone might criticize you or view you in a bad light, you won't have much interest to put yourself in any situations that are gonna to lead to that outcome. 
if you you know if if you join a debate or discussion you might be more likely to to share your ideas in written form or anonymously or even both responding in writing gives you a chance to think over what you want to say first which is probably what feels most comfortable to you you're probably going to be good at visualizing and good at creating because people on the more introverted end of the spectrum often spend a lot of time in their own head your friends and loved ones might say that you're always off in your own little world or you know something along those lines but that world is where you do your best work you might think through challenges or use your imagination to brainstorm new ideas sharing those thoughts and feelings out loud may not come easily to you but it might seem completely naturally to to write them down or to illustrate them or even to put music to those thoughts so you're likely to be a natural listener if you're introverted socializing can just drain your natural energy reserves so you'll generally prefer to listen and absorb what's happening around you and you know when when you're at work or amongst friends or even in any kind of social setting you usually feel happier just to kind of settle in the background and and the myth that introverts are shy or socially anxious stems from this natural tendency just to quietly observe what's going on around you sure you might avoid some small talk or prefer to let the like the noise of the crowd sort of just wash over you or you might feel more comfortable when you tune everyone out and you know put headphones on but you also listen and weigh ideas carefully and when asked for your opinion you often have something really of, of good quality to contribute and the whole thing is about introverts you know not being leaders well there's a lot of value in carefully considered perspective especially one that includes not only your thoughts but those of your coworkers and peers you'll probably need plenty of time for yourself needing to recharge your batteries after a long day by enjoying some quiet downtime alone tends to suggest an introverted nature and this doesn't mean you always avoid people but you probably don't have a large social network instead you most likely share your available social energy with just a handful of close friends even if you don't make friends easily and see no need to widen your circle you highly value the people you do feel comfortable with so what does it mean if you fall between those two you're probably thinking well neither one sounds like me you know maybe there's a combination of traits from the two lists that best fit your personality for example you might take time to think over a decision that involves some risk and then you might take action decisively without looking back well there's a word for that and it's called ambiversion ambiversion describes a personality style that lies somewhere but in the in the middle somewhere between introversion and extroversion if you're an ambivert you're closer to the middle of the spectrum so you might feel more introverted at times and extroverted at others now i relate to that i i think there's a very defining time when i'm introverted and a very defining time when i'm extroverted in my personal world i feel like i'm very introverted and in my work life i'm very extroverted and the funny thing is i've had this conversation with clients and you know and i've told them that i'm very introverted in my personal world and some of them have said i don't i just don't see that in you i don't see you being introverted at all and that's because they only see my extroverted side and the funny thing is it's not like i'm flipping a switch and deliberately switching from one to the other it's a very automated and and subconscious process for me and i i've tried to analyze why i am that way and what i've kind of you know that where i think this comes from is that i think on a subconscious level i feel like my business and in you know my work life is going to be more successful if i am kind of extroverted and i am very confident in my work so maybe that plays into it as well but when i'm on my own that's when i'm really probably at at my most comfortable and my happiest i mean i can my clients know for sure like there's some clients that listen to this and they're probably going to laugh because they know that when we get stuck in a conversation you just won't shut me up and you know and and to my own detriment sometimes you know sometimes i'm i'm so busy chattering about you know what i did on the weekend or my dog or this or that with my clients because i i have a very you know i exchange a lot of personal stuff with my clients and they do with me as well and i think that you know that that um sort of lends to the rapport that that i strive really hard to have with my clients because we have an ongoing relationship right so i'm i'm going to see them over and over again for years and years and years and i've got some clients that i've been you know seeing on a regular basis for nearly 13 years 
So, you know, basically, um, so if, if the signs ring true for you and you're not, you know, you've never really fully identified with introversion or extroversion, you might be an ambivert. And that's technically what I am. Although it's not that I'm an introvert and an extrovert in certain social situations or anything, it's very well defined for me. And again, it's not a, a conscious decision that I make. It's just how I respond in the moment. So it's very automated for me. So, you know, you might do well in, in social settings and you might be fine on your own. And introverted people usually feel really exhausted and worn out after a lot of socializing. And I, I definitely, you know, I'm definitely falling into that category. On the other hand, when extroverted people spend a lot of time alone, they, you know, often notice that, that they have a real shift in their mood and their energy levels. As an ambivert, you might not feel too drained by either situation. Maybe you enjoy spending time on your own and around other people in fairly equal amounts. And and whilst I am technically an ambivert, I do resonate much stronger with being an introvert. So that's just me. You know, you're, you're going to be the best person to analyze yourself because you know how you really feel in certain situations. So, you know, you might notice small changes in your mood if you've been, you know, doing more than, you know, one or the other. But it, it may not be like that, you know, you're depleting your energy as much as you would if you were closer to one end of the spectrum. So actively listening, you know, if that comes naturally to you, it, that's a key communication skill. And, and actively listening goes beyond simply listening. When you actively listen, you're engaged in the conversation. You consider what's being said and you offer thoughtful responses. In conversations, you're more likely to listen to, you know, really carefully and respond and often helpfully instead of quietly absorbing the conversation or immediately jumping in with, you know, your perspective of, of, of things. So you're going to be pretty flexible when it comes to problem solving. Ambiverts may not feel too committed you know, to any one approach to figuring things out, you might be comfortable talking over, you know, some different types of problems, while you might also like to take notes or doodle when you're solving problems. This can be really helpful since trying a new method can sometimes offer a different viewpoint that you hadn't considered. So you're likely to be more decisive than impulsive, and introverts tend to think, you know, more carefully while extroverts may show more of an inclination to take chances without spending too much time pondering the possible outcomes. As an ambivert, you might, you, know, you might be willing to take chances after giving them some brief thought, but once you make up your mind to do something, you generally don't devote too much time to reconsidering. You do spend time considering choices before you make them, but generally you make a decision fairly quickly. And while you might not get you know, some background information about what you want to do, like moving to a new area, you don't feel the need to do exhaustive research to support your decision. So if you can draw out, you know, the, the opinions of others, that's kind of a, a natural talent. Ambiverts often have the knack for keeping group dynamics running smoothly. If, you know, in a group of people, you're comfortable speaking when needed, but you're also ready to give others a chance to have their say. If a conversation starts to falter, you might you know, add in a quick comment or ask a thoughtful question and that gets people talking again. This can also help you balance out your friend groups or other social situations. You'll likely find it easier to understand how both introverts and extroverts might feel in the same setting. And as a result, you might have a good instinct for the best ways to engage someone of any personality type. So you're likely to adapt to different situations quite easily. Even if you don't always need to have people around, you might feel fairly comfortable engaging with others on short notice. Maybe you don't feel too bothered by putting down your book to talk with the person sitting next to you on a plane or you know, switching from a, a, a night out you know, to a night in or vice versa or giving an, an impromptu speech at a meeting. This may not have been your first choice, but you're generally going to be able to work with what's happening around you. So can you change or modify where you fall on that scale? Your personality can help you make important life choices, the, you know, the kind of work you do, the environment you want to live in, even the type of person you want to date. Like other aspects of personality, your position on the introversion-extroversion scale is an innate part of who you are. Your unique combination of genes contributes to your personality and your genes aren't something that you can change. 
Research suggests that there are some key differences between brains of introverted and extroverted people, including differences in things like learning and motor control, language acquisition, and language use. Extroverted people may also have higher levels of dopamine in their brains. Experiencing more of a dopamine release when trying new things, making new friends, or simply engaging with surroundings, that can link those activities to increased positive feelings and strengthening those extroverted traits. Having said that, some people see extroverts as more successful and consider this an ideal personality. Others think of ambiversion as the best of both worlds. But if you've ever wished you could change your personality style, here are a few things to keep in mind. No personality style is right or wrong or better than the other style. Introversion and extroversion simply indicate preferences for getting and expending your energy. But yeah, there is room for variance. People generally, you know, they're not exclusively introvert or extrovert, and understanding your nature can help you learn more about how you see and deal with the world. If you feel compelled to change your introverted, extroverted, ambiverted nature, ask yourself why you want to change. Do you feel like there's something lacking in your life or, you know, something you wish you were better at? Instead of trying to change your personality, try to put that energy towards learning and developing new skills that will help you meet those goals. You may not be able to change your nature, but you can play to your strengths and work at developing new skills. So the bottom line is, your personality is uniquely yours. Whether you tend towards extroversion, introversion, or ambiversion, there's nothing wrong with any of these styles. They're just ways to describe how you get your energy and how you relate to the world around you. It can help to know where you fall on that spectrum since knowing more about your personality style can teach you more about decision-making processes. It can teach you more about your emotional needs and your ideal, you know, your your self-care kind of toolkit, I guess. But don't let this knowledge hold you back. In reality, we all utilize both sides of the spectrum in various circumstances. In order to be the most successful in the world, it's important to develop skills to exercise both ends. So what are some myths about introverts and extroverts that we just have to forget about? First of all, introverts hate socializing, extroverts are happier, and apparently we just can't get along. That's ridiculous. Think again. If you tell someone for the first time that you have a panic disorder, it's usually followed by, you know, you'll probably recognize this if you fall into that category, but you'll you'll probably find that they look very confused and you know, and, and they might say something like, oh, but you're so outgoing. And, you know, and, and if they knew you in high school, they bring up the fact that, you know, you were voted the most talkative guy or the most talkative girl in the whole class. But, you know, let's forget about that one, all right? The point is, it's rare to find someone who isn't shocked that an outgoing talkative person, i.e., you know, they can also deal with raging anxiety. And and this repeated reaction you know, it can get you thinking about how many different stereotypes we have as a society when it comes to personality types. Basically, you know, the way we label introverts and extroverts. Instead of exploring the depth of each, the extremes are often put forth when explaining them. So to fully dive into these myths, you know, let's start at the, at the core of what it means to be extroverted or introverted. Because introversion and extroversion are personality characteristics and they're often influenced by nature and nurture. Extroversion and introversion refer to where people receive energy from, right? Extroverts are energized by socializing in larger groups of people, having many friends instead of a few intimate ones, while introverts are energized by spending time alone or with a smaller group of friends. And the big takeaway is it's not how you act, but what situations you thrive in and get your energy from? How do you recharge? So bearing that in mind, let's dig into the myths about extroverts and introverts. And you know, that should put this all to bed once and for all. Okay, so one myth is that only, ex- only extroverts like to socialize. Again, the distinction of how many people a person likes to socialize with instead of one type of person not wanting to socialize at all, you know, people... People often think that introverts are antisocial, which is just not the case. Introverts enjoy relationships and socializing. They just have a different tolerance level for how much socializing they're comfortable with. And on the contrary, 
extroverts can seem like they're the life of the party or, you know, social butterflies. And, and yeah, there's definitely a correlation, but it's just not always the case. While introverts do tend to like more time alone, this break allows them to be fully invested and to enjoy themselves when they're with friends. Myth two, introverts don't take risks. What in the world does how many people you hang out with or, you know, if you like spending time alone, have anything to do with taking risks. Fears and desires are completely different distinction from introversion and extroversion. And these labels, they're basically conveying a misinformation, and that can cause rumors to spread about the personality characteristics that are completely unfounded. So instead of counting introverts, you know, out for, for risky things, give them a chance to express themselves and choose whether or not an activity is something they're interested in doing. Right, myth number three, extroverts are happier. Inherently, acting as an extrovert or introvert is you proceeding in, in a way that makes you happier. So why would one make you feel better or worse? The only way one person would feel sadder is if they were trying to act the opposite who they, of who they were naturally, right? Embracing the social situations you naturally gravitate toward instead of forcing yourself into ones that are too big or too small for your liking, that's what's going to make you the happiest, right? Myth number four, an introvert is more likely to deal with mental illness. Just because someone does well in big groups and is talkative doesn't mean they are less likely to deal with a mental illness. It's damaging to convey that you know, there might be a connection to that. When looking at what increases one's risk of mental illness, we need to look at a whole bunch of factors, biology, childhood trauma, family history, and your overall temperament. And honestly, you could be, your, your anxiety level could be at its absolute height when you're out engaging people and talking to people. So there's no correlation to that at all. Right, So by surrounding yourself with good people and chatting about unrelated things, it, helps, it, you know, it could help you tune out the anxiety or diminish it altogether. Myth number five, extroverts are much more confident. Confidence is knowing what you're, you know, what, what you're best at and what's best for you and who you want to spend your time with. It's not having more friends or being social all the time. So whether a person is an introvert or extrovert, that has no impact on their confidence as long as they're doing what makes them feel comfortable, good, and happy. Myth number six, introverts are quiet. Again, introverts are not necessarily shy or timid. If you only see an introvert in large group settings, then this may be the impression you receive. But that's only because it's not the environment where an introvert is going to thrive. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Wow! Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. It's like when someone says, they're quiet until you get to know them. 
Take your time with introverts and hang out with them in smaller group settings. You may be surprised at how soon you won't be able to get them to stop talking. <laughs> Relating to me. Alright, myth number seven. Introverts and extroverts won't get along. <laughs> That's so ridiculous. The truth of the matter is that no one is fully one way or the other. And there will be times that an introvert might enjoy hanging out in a big group while an extrovert chats one-on-one. -on -one. These preferences are not defining characteristics of a person's personality, meaning that an introvert and an extrovert may find plenty of things to bond over. The key is to give everyone a chance, no matter what size group they feel comfortable in. Right, myth number 10. Tips for being more social on your own terms. Being more social isn't about pleasing everyone around you. There's nothing wrong with chilling at home and binge watching your favorite show after a long week. Putting yourself out there can look different to everyone. Maybe for you it's about hanging out with some of your closest friends. Here's a look at 10 tips to help you better connect with others. If some of these tips, you know, if they don't feel right, feel free to ditch them all together and try something else. What's important is that you find the joy in connecting. Right, number one, make sure you're doing it for the right reasons. First things first, there's no right way to put yourself out there. It's okay if you're not into hitting the, the nightclubs every Friday and Saturday night. You know, you, you don't have to accept all the, the Facebook events that, you know, that come up here and there if you're getting invited hand over fist. More than anything, you're under no obligation to fulfill other people's expectations. And, and this includes how you spend your time. So you're gonna, want, you're gonna want to drown out the other voices if you're unsure of how to make the distinction between what you want versus what others are telling you you want, try asking yourself the following questions. Am I looking forward to spending time with this person or going to this event? Do I feel guilty about letting people down or being judged as antisocial? And will meeting up bring me any joy? Pay attention to your gut feelings here because while feeling close to others has its benefits, it's important to go about it on your own terms and in a way that feels psychologically nurturing to you. Right, number two, start up a conversation. So when you're ready to embark on opening yourself up a little more and making new friends, maybe you'd like to learn how to be better at, at small talk or how to strike up a conversation at the next you know, wedding or social event that you've been invited to. But how do people do it? Well, first, know the person next to you probably feels the same way you do. About 40% of adults and teens identify as being shy. Having a few icebreakers on hand can be a great way to boost your confidence when you're approaching others. Luckily, most people love to talk about themselves, so this is a pretty foolproof starting point, you know. So a few icebreakers you can start is, you know, you could say, um, what are some great shows you've recently binge-watched? And then you could say, you know, I'm watching this, you know, cooking show on Netflix. You know, what are your top favorite restaurants you would recommend? Where's the last place you traveled? What did you like about it? And remember to share something similar about yourself as well. You know, such, you know, you, you could tell them that, you know, you're from Sydney, Australia. And I just moved here from, you know, from from Melbourne or, or Perth. And, you know, and I'm loving the beach life and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying the weather or whatever it might be. Right, you know, maybe maybe you've gone from Sydney to Melbourne and you're loving the nightlife there and, and the cafes and the restaurants and all the all the cool stuff that they're known for. But be a good listener, right? We all need to feel seen and heard. One of the best and probably most undervalued ways of connecting with others is by thoughtfully listening to what they have to say. You can practice active listening by being curious and seeking to understand where the other person is coming from. And avoid interrupting them mid-story or talking over them when they're, you know, trying to answer a question. Instead, offer your undivided attention and show some genuine interest. Try to ask some follow-up questions so it, it shows that you are actually listening carefully to what they're saying. And when you're listening, keep those questions in mind. What's important to this person? What are they excited to share? And what do they value? Right? So, you know, give compliments freely, but when in doubt... Just say something kind. The right words at the right time can make someone's day and it can make it significantly better and also open up the door to conversation. Studies show that by doing this, we also increase our own life satisfaction. 
Telling a coworker you enjoyed their presentation or letting someone know how much you like their shirt is a great way to connect. But make sure you're being sincere to avoid appearing disingenuous. So here are a few steps for paying someone a genuine compliment. Pay attention to what you genuinely like about a person so that you'll really mean what you say. Don't be obvious. Notice the small things that make someone unique so that your words stand out. You're going to want to try to avoid cliches. Don't say the same thing to everyone or compliment you know, their, their physical appearance. Instead, focus on personality qualities. All right, we're up to number five. I don't think I've been numbering them all, but we're up to number five. If you're ready to take a bigger step towards putting yourself out there, consider finding a hobby that is social, and that could be something like volunteering at a non-profit. That, you know, that's also a great way of giving back and, and you're also being of service to your community. Participating in activities you enjoy can help alleviate feelings of inadequacy when meeting new people, especially if you've just moved to a new community. Plus, you already know of at least one thing that you'll have in common with you know, others there. Whether that's a love of gardening or a soft spot for animals or some sort of passion for social justice. Number six, host a, a, a brunch once a month. Invite your friends and or family over for a special meal and, and take the time to meaningfully engage with one another. This is a fun way to schedule quality time with loved ones, even just two or three people. You know, in a supportive environment where you know that, that's where you can talk, you can laugh and you can reminisce. And if you're not really in a brunch, maybe you know, host a, a casual dinner party instead. You know, use it as an opportunity to connect and practice your conversation skills. Number seven, pick up the phone and make a date. If you're more of a one-on-one person, not really into group get-togethers, try phoning a friend and setting up a time for grabbing lunch or you know, maybe just a video chat or a coffee. Better yet, invite them over to your house so you feel more comfortable in, in your own environment. But remember, you don't need to make an elaborate activity for hanging out and enjoying each other's company. Think of someone you know you miss and someone that you would like to spend more quality time with. Then pick up the phone and make a plan. Number eight, chatting with strangers. There's nothing like getting to know those around you. You know, and they're going to make you feel like yeah, you're part of the community. For one, it gives you that sense of belonging. It also gives you an opportunity to turn acquaintances into closer friends. Start up a spontaneous conversation with, I don't know, someone that you see regularly, um, you know, maybe, maybe your barista, right? Um, the next time you're, you're ordering your, your coffee, uh, maybe you could ask a neighbor how his or her day is going. And while seeming fairly casual, there was a study done that found interacting with a wide network of people on a daily basis contributed to people's well-being. Right, number nine, sign up for a class. The first step in meeting new people is by exposing yourself to an engaging environment. Step outside your comfort zone and look up available classes that you've been dying to take. This allows you to expand and exercise your social skills. So, you know, take a painting class or a cooking class. You know, spark up a conversation while you're waiting for the class to start. You're going to find it, it it's often easier to talk with others when you share common interests, right? And if you're all there doing the same thing, learning an instrument, whatever, you're going to already have that in common, right? So number 10, recognize when you might need help. Human connection is an important part of your overall well-being, but it's not always going to be easy. Keep in mind that developing your social skills is a gradual process that won't happen immediately. And don't judge yourself if you aren't making you know, as much progress as, as you'd want to. It's normal to experience some, some nervousness when you put yourself out there, but if you feel inhibited by your shyness or you know, that it's preventing you from socializing, it may be time to talk to someone about potential underlying mental health concerns, something you, know, you, you might have, say, some sort of social anxiety, agoraphobia, or just some sort of generalized anxiety disorder. You know, ask yourself, do you avoid places when there's going to be other people there? Are you terrified you'll feel embarrassed or that others are going to be judging you? You know, do you feel trapped or helpless? Are you afraid of leaving your home for extended periods of time? 
you know, if you're in a social situation or, you know, just thinking about them, does that cause a physical reaction like nausea or dizziness? Do you start sweating? Do you, you know, do you get a rapid heartbeat, you know? Um, do you have trouble breathing? Do you start to shake? If, if you're experiencing any of these symptoms, consider working with a qualified therapist or some sort of mental health professional. They might recommend a combination of, of cognitive behavioral therapies. There might be some support groups or, you know, if, if it's absolutely necessary, it might be something that needs to be medicated. Even if you don't have a mental health condition, a therapist can help you identify what you're hoping to get out of being more social and, and offer you tips on how you're going to get there. So I'm going to give you some tips now. It's a bit of a like a beginner's guide to enjoying your own company and, and being, being happy when you're, when you're on your own. Um, some people are just naturally happy alone. Definitely fall into that category. Love my own space. Love my own company. But for others, you know, being solo, being on your own, it's a, it can be a real challenge, right? So if you fall into the latter group, there are ways, basically, you know, to become more comfortable with being alone. And even if you're a, a like a hardcore extrovert, regardless of how you feel about being alone. Building a good relationship with yourself is a worthy investment. After all, you know you, you do spend quite a bit of time by yourself, so you might as well learn to enjoy it. So being alone is completely different from being lonely. Before getting into different ways you know, to find happiness in being alone, it's important to untangle these two concepts. Being alone is not the same as being lonely. While there might be some overlap between them, they are completely different concepts. Maybe you're a person who absolutely basks in solitude. My hand's up right now. You're not any social. I'm not, and, and I'm not any social. I'm not friendless and I'm not loveless, you know. Um, but I do love my own space, right? So you might just find that, you know, you're just very content, you know, in your own alone time, in your own space. In, and you might even look forward to it. That's, that's just simply being alone. That's not being lonely. But on the other hand, Maybe you're surrounded by family and friends, but not really relating beyond, you know, beyond that on a surface level, which, you know, you, you, you're feeling rather empty and, and disconnected, right? Or maybe being alone just leaves you feeling sad and, and longing for company. That, that's what loneliness is. So before getting into the ins and outs of being happy alone, it's important to understand that being alone doesn't have to mean that you're lonely. Sure, you can be lonely and you can feel lonely, but the two don't always have to go hand in hand. So, you know, they, these are some, some short-term tips that you can try, right? Um, these tips are aimed at helping you to, to kind of get the ball rolling. You, you know, you're not going to transform your life overnight, but they can help you get more comfortable with being alone. Some of them may be exactly what you needed to hear and others might not have any effect you know you're, you're, they're just not going to make sense to you right so use them as stepping stones add them and shape them along the lines of you know the best way to suit your own lifestyle and your own personality okay so number one avoid comparing yourself to others this is easier said than done but try to avoid comparing your social life to anyone else's and i've spoken about this before right you might be looking at someone's you know social media and you see them in this perfect photo this perfect space but that was like just you know half a second of photo they might they might have just had a massive argument. They might have fought all the way driving there. They might fight all the way home, but they've got this photo of them looking so happy. It might be a complete and utter lie, or it might just be that you know they've had a bad day, but they still wanted to capture that that you know that moment just so they can put it up on their socials, right? It's not the number of friends that you have or the frequency of your social outings that matters. It's it's what works for you. Remember you really have no way of knowing if someone with a bunch of friends and a social calendar that is full to the brim is actually happy, right? You just don't know. So number two, take a step back from social media. Social media isn't inherently bad. It's not necessarily problematic. But if scrolling through your, your feeds makes you feel left out and stressed out, then take a few steps back. That feed doesn't tell you the whole story. Not even close. Yet you don't know if those people are really happy or not. 
And you know, the, you're just getting this, like I said, just this, this half a second of a photo that's giving you this impression. So either way, it's no reflection on you. So take a deep breath, put it into perspective, and you know, perform a test run and ban yourself from social media for 48 hours and see how you feel. If that makes a difference, try giving yourself a daily limit of you know maybe 10 or 15 minutes and, and stick to it, right? Number three, take a phone break. You know, you're probably starting to notice a bit of a theme here, but you know, your, your mobile phones, your social media, you know, undoubtedly they're, they've changed the concept of being alone because sometimes you feel like we're never really alone when we can just pick up the phone, we can text someone, we can call someone, or we can even check in on you know, a high school friend and, and see what they're up to without even actually having to talk to them or engage them in any way. So that's not to say that, that technology isn't you know, an incredibly helpful tool for building community and feeling close to loved ones you know, that could be far away, but it's also easy to rely on devices as a way to avoid being alone with your own thoughts. So the next time you're alone, turn your phone off, put it away for an hour, and just use that time to reconnect with yourself and explore what it feels like to be truly alone. And if you're not sure how to pass the time, grab a pen and a piece of paper and jot down a few things that you might enjoy doing the next time you find yourself alone. Number four, allocate some time to let your mind wander. So, you know, do you ever have the thought of doing absolutely nothing? Yeah, does that make you feel unsettled? That's probably because it's been a long time since you've actually allowed yourself to do that. Experiment by setting a timer for five minutes. That's it, just five minutes. Have no TV, no music, no internet, no podcasts, no books, nothing. Just find a comfortable place to sit or lie down. Close your eyes, close the blinds, or you know maybe you might prefer to, to stare out a window. But if being completely still isn't, you know, if that's just not you, try doing some sort of repetitive task, something you don't really need to think about. You know, you, you maybe knitting, bouncing a ball, um, even something monotonous like washing your dishes. Just let your mind wander. Let your mind truly wander, right? Just see where it takes you. Don't be discouraged if it doesn't take you, you know, very far the first time you try it. With time, your mind will get used to this new kind of freedom. And it is a freedom. Okay, number five, take yourself out on a date. And yes, I'm aware of how cliche that sounds, but a self-date can be a powerful tool for learning how to be happy alone. And if you're not sure what to do, imagine you're trying to impress an actual date and show them a good time. Where would you take them? You know, what would you want them to see or to experience? Now, take yourself on that date. It might feel a bit odd at first, but chances are you'll see at least one or maybe a few other people that are eating on their own or, you know, going to the movies on their own. You know, if money's an issue, you don't have to go big. But also remember, it, it's a lot cheaper to pay for one than it is to pay for two, right? <laughs> so if that still sounds too daunting, you can start small. Go to a coffee shop and just sit there for 10 minutes. Be observant. Soak in your surroundings. It might even make you feel more comfortable to wear headphones. You know, Even if you're not listening to anything, just put them on. It might make you feel more comfortable. And once you're comfortable with that, going out alone won't seem so unusual anymore. Number six, physical activity. Exercise helps release endorphins and those neurotransmitters in your brain can make you feel happier. Spoken about this at length. Exercise definitely helps with anxiety and depression because all of those neurotransmitters being released in your brain, they're rewards, right? So they're going to make you feel good. If you're new to exercise, just start with a few minutes a day, even if it's just, you know, having a stretch in the morning. Just increase your activity by one minute a day or even one minute a week. Slow and steady is going to win the race here, right? So as you gain confidence, maybe you can try something like, you know, some sort of weight training or, or aerobics or some sort of sport. Plus, if you're still uneasy about going out on your own, maybe start hitting the gym, you know, that, that can be a great starting point. Stacks of people go to the gym alone, so you're not going to stand out. You can also go really early in the morning or really late or at, you know, at, at non-busy times, so there's going to be less people there, right? Number seven, spend time with nature. 
I know it's another cliche, but seriously, get outside, lounge around in the backyard, take a walk in the park, hang out by the water, absorb the sights and the sounds and the smells of nature, feel the breeze on your face. Studies have shown that 30 minutes or more a week, only 30 minutes a week spent in nature can improve symptoms of depression and lower blood pressure. And, and I mean, I can kind of speak to that because I, I walk my dog in, um, you know, down a bush track every day. And the more I've done it, the more I've started to appreciate, and I know this sounds weird, it even sounds weird me saying it and hearing my own voice, but it, I, I really am starting to appreciate how beautiful nature can be, you know? I'm hearing the birds, I'm looking at the trees, I'm watching the bark fall off, you know? the the. I mean, I'm looking out for snakes. I mean, it is Australia after all, bloody hell. But, you know, it, it's such a beautiful place when you're, when you're sort of around suburbia all the time and everything's so um, manicured and so precise. Going into the bush, it, it's a bit messier, it's more natural. I'm really loving it, and the more I go there, the more I appreciate it. So that's not something I've always had. That's been a gradual thing that I've noticed in myself. So I really can speak to that, you know. If you can get into into nature for a little while every week, you'll probably feel it as well. Right, so learn, you know, try to learn and understand the, the perks of being alone right it shouldn't be it shouldn't be an unhappy thing it should be a happy thing some people are going to find it especially difficult to be happy while while living alone for example and sure it might be a little quiet and there's no one to listen to you vent after work or remind you to turn off the oven you know but living on your own it has its perks try to take advantage of the physical and mental space that comes with living alone you know take up all the space Right, spending the day taking up the entire kitchen to cook a, a you know a huge feast, you know maybe maybe that's something that you can eat for the next few days or the next few lunches or the next week or whatever. Just take up the whole space, spread everything out, you know, rather than one little corner of the kitchen and trying to keep things neat and tidy. Just just expand, right? You've got the space, use it. And if you're trying to get back into some hobby that you've done ages ago. Get all your materials out, spread them all across the floor and, you know, and, and decide what you want to use for that next project. And if you haven't decided straight away, who cares? Just leave it there, right? If you have to step over or step around it for a few days or even a week, who gives a shit? It's your space, right? This one's pretty self-explanatory. Have a little dance party for yourself. Put on your favorite music and, you know, assuming your neighbors aren't complete dicks, Crank up the music a little, you know? Dance like no one's watching <laughs> because unless you got the blinds open and your neighbours are weirdos, no one will be watching. So, you know, just be free, be natural, do whatever feels right. All right, number nine, volunteer. This isn't going to be everyone's cup of tea. There are so many ways to volunteer your time in service of others. You can volunteer in person or help out remotely from home. Either way, Helping others can make you feel pretty good. Plus, it can help you feel connected to others while still getting in some quality alone time. And, you know, research volunteer opportunities in your neighborhood. You don't have to go a million miles away to volunteer. It's important to find something that feels right for you. Don't be doing something that you hate. Do something that feels good and feels right and, and you know, feels natural. Make sure that what they're offering, it's a good fit. And, you know, with, with basically what you're willing and able to do. If you don't get value out of the first thing you try, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't have to work out every time. And, you know, if it doesn't work out for some reason, it's perfectly reasonable to move on and look for something else. You can perform a random act of kindness whenever the opportunity presents itself, and that could be something as simple as being in, you know, in line at at your at the supermarket and letting the person behind you go in front, you know? It doesn't have to be a huge gesture, just something minor. And number 10, acknowledge things that you're grateful for. Research shows that gratefulness can boost feelings of happiness and hopefulness. It's easy to take things for granted as you go about your day. Devote some time to reflect on things that you're grateful for. They don't have to be huge or spectacular or, you know, some kind of mind-blowing thing. They can be as simple as being grateful for that first cup of coffee in the morning or listening to a, a favorite song that you play over and over because, you know, it, it just calms you down. 
you can make a list. It can be a mental or a physical thing. But of all the things in your life, you know, write down the things that you appreciate. And the next time that you're feeling alone or feeling a little bit blue, whip out the list, remind yourself of everything that you have and everything that you've got going for yourself, right? And number 11, give yourself a break. Self-reflection is a good thing, but harsh self-judgment is not. It eats away at your self-confidence, at your happiness. It just eats away at your soul, right? Your very being. When that negative inner critic starts yapping away in the back of your mind, turn, you know, turn that more positive voice on, the one that lives in your head, and, and you know it's there somewhere. Don't judge yourself more harshly than you judge someone else. Everyone's going to make mistakes, so don't keep beating yourself up over and over again over the simplest thing. Try to remember all the good qualities that you have, right? Number 12, serve yourself a really nice meal. If you don't have someone to have dinner with, so what? Eating alone doesn't have to mean, you know, eating some shitty prepackaged microwave sludge in front of the TV. There's no reason why you can't prepare an awesome meal for yourself, just for you. Set the table, you know, put out a, a tablecloth, light a candle, and do whatever you would do if you were throwing a dinner party. Are you, you going to seriously look in the mirror and, and say to yourself that you're not worth it? You would only do that for someone else? Right, 13. Try to find a, a creative outlet. You know, um, what's something that, you know, you, you've always dreamed of doing, but you, you've never really got around to doing it. You keep putting it off. It doesn't matter if you're not good at it. The point is to try something new and different and, you know, to take a step outside of your comfort zone. Take on a home project, some sort of home improvement thing maybe, learn to play an instrument, try painting, write a short story, whatever. You know, do, do it on your own. Enroll in a class, get personal lessons. Do it via an app or, or a YouTube instructional video. You know, but give yourself ample time to see if it's worth pursuing. If you don't like it, you can at least cross it off your list and move on to something else. Number 14, make plans for solo adventures. Find interesting things to do and put them on your calendar. Give yourself something to look forward to. After all, anticipation is half the fun, right? Plus, seeing it on your calendar might also help you to follow through with it. Maybe you can, you know, visit a, a nearby town or stay in a bed and breakfast. Go to a local festival or a farmer's market. Go to a, a concert. Um, maybe there's an art exhibition that's, that's happening. You know, just plan something that you're really interested in and just make it happen. Okay, so what are some long-term tips that you can use to, to keep the ball rolling? As you become more comfortable with the day-to-day -day aspects of being alone, you can start digging a little bit deeper, right? So shake up your routine. Even if a routine that works well, you know, that can eventually transition into a rut and that can be kind of uninspiring. Think about your day-to-day -day routine and your immediate surroundings. What's working for you and what's becoming a little bit dull? If you're not sure, analyze it. Have it, you know, try to have a, a, a change of scenery at home. Maybe rearrange your furniture, paint a wall, start a little garden, you know, clean and declutter, find a, a, a new coffee shop. See if there's something that you can change that, you know, that just pulls you out of that rut. Okay, so you're going to want to try and strengthen your coping skills. Life is always going to have its stresses and, you know, bad things are going to happen. But there's no point, you know, just ignoring that. It's a reality, right? We all go through it. But remember that time that something bad happened and you figured out how to deal with it, right? You got over it. You got past it. You got through it. That's a skill worth the effort of developing. Consider how you coped then and, and why it worked for you. Think about how you can use that same mindset to cope with events that are happening now. This is also a good time to give yourself some credit. You're probably a lot stronger and more resilient than you realize. Right, so another thing you can do is nurture the relationships that are important to you. As you become more comfortable being alone, you might find yourself spending less time socializing. And there's nothing wrong with that, but close social connections are still going to be important. Arrange to visit with someone in your family, maybe a friend, or you know, hang out with some colleagues after work. Call someone you haven't heard from in a long time and have a meaningful conversation with them. You know, another thing you want to you want to get good at is practicing forgiveness. You know, what does forgiveness have to do with your happiness? Well, actually, it, it turns out it's quite a bit. 
you know, um, among various other health benefits, the very act of forgiveness can reduce stress, it can reduce anxiety, and it can reduce depression. It's less about making the other person feel better than it is about making yourself feel better. Yeah, that, you know, that means writing a letter forgiving someone who's hurt you without actually sending it is totally valid. Forgiveness can take a load off your mind. While you're at it, don't forget to forgive yourself as well. The most important reason to forgive is for you. The person you're forgiving doesn't even need to know that you're forgiving them. Holding grudges and bottling that shit up is devastating to your well-being and happiness. Forgiving is for your benefit. Don't ever forget that. Okay, so obviously you're going you know, to want to take care of your health. Mental health, that can affect your physical health, and your physical health, that can affect your mental health. Taking care of your physical health might help you boost your overall happiness. Plus, it's a good way to foster a good relationship with yourself as well. Try to make eating a balanced diet or exercising regularly and, and getting good quality sleep part of what you do with your alone time. You know, if you want to go a step further, have an annual physical and you know, go see a doctor to, to manage any pre-existing health conditions. Right? Make plans for your future. Where do you want to be in five years or ten years? both in a personal perspective and from a professional perspective. What do you need to accomplish those goals? If you write this down, that can be helpful in guiding your decisions. And revisit this exercise every year to see if you're on track or if those goals should be revised. Having plans for tomorrow might help you feel more hopeful and it might help you feel more optimistic today. Right, So don't be afraid to ask for help because sometimes all the self-care, all the exercise, the gratitude lists in all the world aren't going to be enough to shake the feelings of sadness or loneliness. Consider reaching out you know, to, to a friend or family member or even a therapist if you're feeling overly stressed or you're finding it difficult to cope with some aspect of your life. If you have symptoms of anxiety, if you have symptoms of depression, you don't have to wait for a crisis to get into therapy. Simply wanting to get better and spending time alone is a perfectly good reason to make an appointment. Remember, seeking out a professional, someone that has qualifications, that's a smart thing to do, right? There's that stigma, we've got to let it go. That stigma that there's something wrong with you if you need a therapist. It's so ridiculous, right? If you need it, if it's going to help you, seek them out, right? Being happy and fulfilled is the aim here, right? So, so take these tools and learn how to apply them in your life or in your given situation. It doesn't feel like hard work if you're just taking tiny steps. But if you do that, eventually you're going to get there. You know, Remember, we, we only have one life, right? So, so soak it up. Don't let it pass you by. You know, but before you know it, you'll be 60, you'll be 70, you'll be 80 years of age, wondering where your life went and regretting all the things that you could have done but didn't. You've likely got decades ahead of you. Make them happy and worthwhile decades. Nobody's going to be in a better position than you to lay the foundation for a happy and fulfilled life. It's already there. All you have to do is reach out and take it. Okay, so that's it for this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got some value out of it. Thanks for listening to the end. Thanks for the support. Please continue to rate. That helps push the podcast higher up the list. I say this every week, so you're probably sick of me saying it. Um, you know, and of course, please share an episode link with your friends and family, classmates, coworkers, anyone you know. If you know, if you think that they can benefit, um, or even if they just might be interested in in the podcast, send them a link. I want to reach as many people as possible, so you know, share a link on your socials. Help me out. I really appreciate it. And of course, you can always email me if you want to, you know, give me a, an episode suggestion or if you just want to say hello or even if you just want to tell me what I could be doing better. I'm not going to be offended. It's all good. In fact, episode 20 on cognitive dissonance was an episode suggestion from a listener. So that came from Rob. Thanks, Rob. That was a great suggestion. I agreed. I did a, did a whole episode on it, right? The podcast email address is improvemepodcast at outlook.com. And as always... Try to imitate my blood type and be positive. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? 
They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Now, because we live in a litigious world where some people refuse to take responsibility for their own actions and are always looking for someone else to blame, I'm forced to remind you that this podcast is for knowledge and entertainment purposes only. Always consult a qualified professional before taking any health, psychological, pharmaceutical, mental or physical advice. Never rely on information from a podcast.